Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another one of our Bible studies on the parables of Jesus. Special greeting to those from the Fishhook and Simonstown Methodist churches, as well as to all our friends and family who are listening and who are sharing in this Bible study wherever you are. Just uh, thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing in this study on the scriptures. We are going to be heading into the latter part of Matthew's gospel today. Matthew chapter 24 is where we will end up. So those of you who are ready and waiting and can turn in your Bibles to that, I invite you to do so. And if you have a notebook or piece of paper and you want to jot down a few notes, then also you can get that ready. Going to invite us just to pause for a second as we do and then just to offer a word of prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that Jesus used parables to speak into the lives of his listeners and to really encourage them to hear your call on their lives and to share with them about the kingdom of God. We ask that as we share today that we also would have ears to listen and that through the imagery of these parables that we would hear your word to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so a little bit of an introduction to where we're going to end up today. In Matthew's Gospel, there are two, um, I want to use the word, chunks of, uh, of literature, of writing, uh, two sections, if you like, of Matthew's Gospel. The first one being in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. Now, now this collection of Jesus' teachings, um, we, we know were, were addressed mainly to the crowds. And we have that sometimes this, this picture etched in our minds of Jesus standing there and, and the crowds coming. And as he shares with them, he shares about all what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. So that's Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. And then later on in Matthew's gospel, we come to what the scholars call the Olivet Discourse, which is the discourse that Jesus shares with his disciples when he's on the Mount of Olives. So there, there's two things that we must note about this that, uh, that offers us some difference. And the first one is that the Sermon on the Mount, when you look at it carefully, is an address that Jesus gives to the crowds. Um, so just in general, to people who come to listen to him, some who were deciding whether to follow him or not, uh, probably even amongst them, we would have found Pharisees and Sadducees and and perhaps even some Romans, Roman soldiers, and just a whole lot of people there. In that particular Sermon on the Mount, Jesus only shares one parable in those three chapters. Then later on in the uh, Olivia Discourse, we have Jesus teaching this time to his, his disciples privately. Now, if you want to see where I get that information from, it's actually in verse 3 of Matthew chapter 24, it says, later, Jesus sat on the slopes of the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and asked, when will all of this take place? And will there be a sign ahead of time to signal your return and the end of the world? And then from this moment on, as he shares privately with his disciples in this discourse, 
in these two, particularly chapter 24 and chapter 25, we find that Jesus uses lots of parables. In fact, at least six or seven parables in these two chapters alone. Now, in, in response to the statement that Jesus makes in verse 1 and 2 of Matthew 24, where he has just left or he's leaving the temple grounds, his disciples point out to him the various temple buildings, and then Jesus says to them, do you see all these buildings? I assure you they will be so completely demolished that not one stone will be left on top of another. That is the, the moment where the disciples say to him, so, so when is this going to happen? Uh, will there be signs ahead of the time? And is the end of the world coming? So we, we would know that this particular discourse, chapter 24 and 25, has been abused by Christians throughout the centuries on, on two different extremes. On, on the one extreme, there have been um, very sincere believers who've, who said that what Jesus mentioned here in verse 1 and 2 has already been fulfilled, and it was fulfilled around about the time 69, 70 AD, when the temple in Jerusalem was literally destroyed. Um, that time and the, um, the, the, those dates in the time and history were very, very, um, yeah, very uh, dramatic, uh, a lot of turmoil happening in the world at that time, particularly around about the Roman Empire. That was the, 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 the year that there were four emperors in one particular year. It was just like constant uh, change and, and turmoil happening in the world. So we, we don't want to get sucked down that route now, but essentially some scholars say, no, that's all happened already, and so Jesus' prophecy has already been fulfilled. And then on the other extreme, we have people who are constantly looking at what's happening in the world today and saying, yes, that's what Jesus was talking about, that's what Jesus is talking about, and you would have people like Nostradamus and all kinds of other prophets coming up and saying the date that Jesus is going to come back is going to be on this particular day. And um, as I say, there's, there's two extremes in this. And yet Jesus, when he speaks in this discourse to his disciples, is not trying to invite any form of sensationalism. He, he's not trying to... Yeah, not trying to make himself look to be this prophet of doom, but he's just talking about how the end will come. In fact, verse 36 of Matthew 24, this is where we're going to start our, our reading of the parables. Jesus says, However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And so Jesus, the way that I read it, he, he's pretty much just saying to his followers, look, this will happen, but none of us knows when it's going to happen. So the important thing is, how do we get ourselves ready for this? And this is where I want um, the parable to, to take us to today, because it's about remaining watchful and preparing ourselves for what is to come. Not in a like I say, in a fearful way or being sensational about the whole thing, but just in a almost a matter-of-a-fact kind of way. So our reading for today takes us from verse 36 to verse 51 of Matthew chapter 24. 
And I'll try just in the short time that we have with us today to, to give us some thoughts and insight. And then I always encourage you to keep doing your own reading. And, and if you find other interesting things, please be, um, yeah, be kind and share them with me. I'd love to, love to hear some of, your, um, some of your information that you may have gathered yourselves. So I've just read verse 36. Jesus has now, in a way, responded to that question the disciples asked many, many verses earlier, that, that verse 3 they asked about when will this take place. Jesus then goes through um, his response to that, and I also ask you for the sake of time to read, read the whole chapter, and then you'll see how Jesus answers their question. But in verse 20, 36, he says, look, no one really knows, only the Father knows. And then uh, he, he's bridging what he's just said um, before the parable, and the parable sort of starts um, a few verses later, but he says, verse 37, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. And of course, the people in Jesus' day would have heard stories and read the scriptures about what happened in Noah's day, so, so they would have immediately got the context of, of, of what he was saying. Jesus carries on, in those days, before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So without going into too much detail, really what Jesus is saying in these three verses, the, the point of this is that it's going to happen quickly. The disciples are asking like for signs, you know, do we have time to get ourselves ready? What should we look out for in all of these things? Jesus is saying, look, there's not going to be time for that, that when it happens, it's going to happen quickly, almost like a, like a bolt of lightning. It's going to come. But what I'm going to share with you now, Jesus is saying, is the preparation, is to help you to get ready. Just to to bring this point even further um, to their attention, he uses this, um, an, another like a, a picture. He says, verse 42, men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken and the other will be left. Now, this is the part of the scriptures that many people focus on when we speak about the rapture. That when the end of the world comes, when Jesus comes again, this, you have this picture of uh, uh, people just being taken up into heaven. Um, there'll be a group of people, two people, one will be taken and one will be left behind. Now, the rapture itself is such a complicated thing that we haven't got time to go down that particular um, branch today. But for us, the contrast is, um, is clear or I don't know whether contrast is the right word, but the imagery is, is clear. That there's two people that are in the field. One is taken and one is left. The same with the woman. One is grinding, uh, well, they both are grinding flour in the mill. One will be taken and the other left. And the, and the shock of hearing that would have brought home the message that Jesus was trying to say is, look, one of the men who, who are working in the field is ready for the Son of Man's return, the other one is not. One of the women who's grinding the flour at the mill is ready in her heart for the Messiah, but the other one is not. So he's getting the, 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 his disciples to hear this 
and perhaps answer, ask themselves the question, you know, which one am I? You know, am I the one who's, who's ready? And that's the question I think we also must hold in our hearts and minds as we read this, this parable. Are we ready? Are we watchful at this particular point in time? So let's get to the, the actual parable part itself. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Verse 43, understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. Now that, that I remember to stop there for a moment. Verse 43 um, is an image and a word pic picture and an illustration that lives on even into our modern times. And probably most of us listening to this Bible study today has had some kind of theft or burglary in, in our modern homes. Even though we may have alarm systems and alarms on our cars and a whole lot of things. That the picture is this, that if you and I knew that particular night that the burglars were going to come, well, we wouldn't have gone out for that meal or we would have stayed much more vigilant. We would have got the security company to actually stand at our house or we would have got hold of the police or whatever it is. It's, it's, a, it's a word picture to, to, to say to us, of course, if we had known that they were going to come and take our TV or our phones or our laptops or our jewelry, we wouldn't have let them do it because we would have been much, much more awake and definitely a lot more prepared. Verse 44, you must also be ready at all time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Now, I think it's William Barclay who says this, to live without watchfulness invites disaster. Let me repeat that, to live without watchfulness invites disaster. Clearly, that is in a a spiritual sense that he's speaking about, that if we don't live with watchfulness in our faith, then we're inviting spiritual disaster in our lives. And when Jesus says to his disciples, you must be ready at all time, he, he's saying that it's not our duty to speculate. Is Jesus coming? You know, is the Messiah returning today, tomorrow, next week, next year? But rather what our job is, is to prepare ourselves for that and i and, and i think you know the last two years with COVID, many people have asked questions saying like okay this has to be the end times now because this is the worst disaster we faced in our own lifetimes then suddenly we have the the war in ukraine and people are saying that's also another sign then suddenly the petrol price goes up astronomically and there's a crisis in this country and that country and so we spend a lot of time speculating and and I'm not saying that we, we don't, you know, don't need to speculate in some ways, but for me, I'm saying I would rather spend the energy preparing myself for the return of the Lord because I'm not going to change you know, when the Messiah is going to come back. If he, if he decides he's going to come back now because everything is aligning itself and what's happening in the world, that is only the Father who knows that particular time. So if these disasters and things happening in the world are getting my attention, then I think they're fulfilling their purpose, getting my attention so that I prepare myself 
for the expected return of the Messiah. If on the other hand, I get myself all wound up about it and start to get myself stressed, then I think we're missing the whole point. Um, so that's just my, my few cents worth on that particular thing. In, in Titus, it, he says this, Titus chapter 2, verse 12 to 13. He says, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this is obviously going back to just after the time of Jesus, but he was saying, we should live in this particular way because we're looking forward to the blessed hope of the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and um, when, when it comes to, to waiting for the Lord, I think what has happened since this uh, discourse from Jesus, since even other times in history, people have become a little bit blasé. People have come to the point where we've said, oh, well, Jesus hasn't returned as yet. He's not going to return for another 2,000 years or what, you know, whenever. And I think that is perhaps the, the lie that is the most dangerous for us. And, and I want to just share with you a fable that I came across in, in one of the commentaries on this. And it goes like this. That there's a fable which tells of three apprentice devils who were coming to the earth to finish their apprenticeship. They were talking to the devil himself, the chief of, of all the devils, about their plans to tempt and to ruin humanity. And the first junior devil said that, I'm going to tell them that there is no God. So Satan said to them, well, that will not really delude many people, for they know that there is a God. The second junior devil said, well, I will tell people that there is no hell. Satan answered, well, you won't really deceive many that way, because people know that even now that there is a, a consequence for their sin, which we call hell. And then the third junior devil said this, I will tell humanity that there is no hurry. Satan said to him, go, and you will ruin humanity by the thousands. And so the, the parable carries on, or the fable, to say the most dangerous of all delusions is that there is plenty of time. The most dangerous day is a person, in a person's life is when he learns that there is no such word as tomorrow. And I think that that fable is really a great summary of what Jesus is trying to say, is that when we assume that, and I'm going to come to the other part of the parable now, when we assume that Jesus or the Messiah is not going to come back or he's going to be delayed, we think we've got time. And then what happens is when we think we've got time, we get distracted by many things. Um, I mean, and, and I see this in our own lives. I mean, those of us who studied, some of us a long time ago, I see it even um, with my teenage children. When they hear there's an exam coming up, they procrastinate because they're children. Um, we procrastinate because we think there's time. And the great lesson that I think we learned, or I certainly learned sometimes the hard way, was that while there's time, you should try and study because you never know what happens between that date and the exam. Um, in South Africa, you can't guarantee that you're going to have electricity to study the night before your exam or you can't 
certainly nowadays, you, you know, you can't guarantee that you're not going to get COVID or something. So while you have time, you should study and, and prepare so that even if something else happens between that day and the exam, that you at least have covered some of the work. Now, in theory, that sounds great. But in practice, every one of us, barring a few, a few people, every one of us procrastinate. Because why? We think that there is time. So let's come now to verse 45. A faithful, sensible servant is one whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns. So this, in light of what we've shared already, this is the person who chooses sensibly, the faithful one, the one who has prepared themselves, the one who believes that the Son of God is returning and could return imminently. That is the, that is the one who is going to come and find the servant doing the good job, doing the work. But, and here's the comparison, what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while? So here, in this particular um, extreme, the servant is saying, you know what, my master is going to be delayed, so I've got time, I can do what I like, you know, really, and then when I hear he's going to come back, I'll get, I'll get things back in order. That's, that's their mindset. Verse 49, and this servant begins by beating the other servants, parting and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That phrase that he will cut the servant to pieces um, is probably more on the lines of that, that he, will, he will be whipped, that that servant will be punished. Um, yeah, the different commentaries and commentators and even versions of verse 51 bring it across differently. But more than likely, it's speaking that the master will come and punish that servant by, by whipping them and then, and then kicking them out, um, placing them in, in a place where the hypocrites and where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, which in that sense is, is not heaven, but it is in, in hell. Okay, so that's the image that comes through. So the second servant, the one that Jesus is saying to the disciples, you mustn't be like, was was carrying on with his own business. He was mistreating people. He was giving himself all the pleasures that the world was offering him. And he was not ready for the master's return. And, and Jesus, when he's sharing this parable, I'm sure the disciples, because they've journeyed with him for three years up to this point, they are saying to themselves, well, we need to keep ourselves focused and ready. Because Jesus is preparing to leave, but when he comes back again, we must be found to be doing his work. And so as, as we hear this parable, I'm just conscious of time for us today. I don't want to, uh, to keep you longer than maybe some of you have time for. But the, the great challenge in this parable is, are we carrying on with the work that God has called us to do even now? Because we can't delay. If God has called you to something, then we need to be obedient to do that now. And 
the, the other parables that, that are connected with this one, and we'll, we'll do, we'll do um, the parable of the ten bridesmaids next week because that follows on. And, and remember that although we have the chapters and verses in, in our Bibles today, that in the original um, text, it, it wasn't there. So this parable about the, the two servants um, leads straight into the next parable. In fact, there's a collection of three parables here that all bring home the same point, and that is, are we, are we ready? Um, and do we believe that the Messiah is going to come back? And if not in our lifetime, we will then get to, to be with our Lord and with our Redeemer. But the work that we've been called to do, are we going to carry it on? Are we going to complete it? Or are we in that state of mind where we say, oh, you know, God has to forgive me because of what Jesus has done, so I'll carry on doing all that I want to do. And um, when I see some of the signs of him coming back, then I will surrender my life to him and, and work hard for him, which is clearly not what Jesus is wanting for his disciples. And uh, a little picture comes to my mind um, of how sometimes as uh, parents get to go out, say one particular evening, and they say to their children, okay, we're going to be going out and we're going to be coming back, let's say in two hours time after the meal, we want your rooms tidy and we want um, your homework done or we want you to carry on with what we've asked you to do. And then the parents leave and then the children carry on doing their own thing. And only suddenly when they hear their parents arriving back home, do they suddenly start throwing clothes in cupboards and putting plates in the kitchen and so on. It's, it's, that, it's that sudden surprise. They knew that their parents were going to come back, but maybe their parents come back a little bit earlier than they're expecting, or they get sidetracked, that they think they've got a lot more time to tidy up their rooms and so on, and then the car arrives, and then there's panic stations. Now, that is something I suppose we also could all relate to in, in many other ways. So this parable today, friends, I think you've got the message in it, is another one of Jesus' ways of just saying to his disciples, believe that I'm coming back, because when I come back, there's going to be you know, a great celebration, and I'm going to come back and to bring everything back to order and um, reestablish the kingdom of God and all those things. But in the meantime... Do not let the things of this world distract you so much that you stop following me and doing the work that I've called you to. Friends, those are my thoughts and ramblings on this particular parable. I hope in some way they have been a blessing to you. Um, as always, I encourage you to keep digging around and, and hopefully learning yourself. But thank you for your time and for listening to this. May God bless you and have a wonderful day further. Amen.